Hello, everybody. This is Ann Robinson, better known as Sylvia Van Buren in the movie The War of the Worlds, and I'm now on screen and beyond and happy to be talking to you all. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. If you are here for the first time, welcome. If you are a returning listener to On Screen and Beyond, thank you for coming back. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is episode 380 of On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, our guest takes us back 60-some-odd years ago to the War of the Worlds, the classic 50s sci-fi movie which also uh, this person was in in the 80s TV show War of the Worlds and the Steven Spielberg 2005 remake with Tom Cruise. They had a cameo in that. But of course, War of the Worlds from the 1950s is the one that this person is most known for. Anne Robinson is going to be joining us. She was in that movie and she's got a lot to tell us. It's going to be an interesting one. So stick around. That's coming up. Ann Robinson in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. Well, we have some more DVDs that we are giving away thanks to the studios who are releasing them. And uh, let's see. The first one, October 6th. You have to be entered by then. All you got to do is send us an email at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Tell us you want to enter it or... You can go to our Facebook page and you can like our announcement. All right. So that's uh, two ways you can do it. Very simple. On October 6th, we'll be having a drawing for Little House on the Prairie Season 7. So that's going to be coming up for one of them. And like I said, it's very easy to enter that. And we have another one, too. Mad Men. The final season, Part 2, is coming our way on October 13th. And if you want to enter that one, we're going to be giving away two copies of that. We'll have three copies of The Little House on the Prairie Season 7. And we have two copies to give away of Mad Men, The Final Season, Part 2. So uh, great shows, both of them, different errors, and you have a chance to win them. So all you got to do, either way, send us a Email at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com is one way you can enter it. Tell us which one you want to enter, or both if you want to. And you, you can also go to Facebook, go to On Screen and Beyond, and you can enter that way too, just by liking the announcement that we put up there. So uh, go ahead and get yourself a chance to win a couple of DVDs, all right? And we got a full lineup of things that are going on, because it is time to find out what's coming your way as far as releases... In the month of October. So we're going to start off with Remake Madness as far as what's coming away as far as remakes in October. Right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness coming your way in October. Well, it looks like the story of Peter Pan is going to continue as it's remade into Pan. It'll be coming your way in theaters on October 9th. And Goosebumps, the books and the TV show and the movies that have been out... Gets another run on October 16th. This time, Jack Black will be starring in it. And Gem and the Holograms moves from TV to the big screen on October 23rd. And that's it for remakes coming your way in theaters in October. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies in theaters in October? Upcoming new movies coming your way in theaters in October. October 2nd, Mila Kunis and Michael Panna and Susan Sarandon will star in Hell and Back. And this is an animated R-rated film about three friends searching hell for their other friend. Sounds interesting. Matt Damon will star in The Martian on October 2nd. And on October 9th, Michael Fesbender stars in as Steve Jobs in another biopic of the Apple founder comes our way. 
And Tom Hanks stars as a lawyer this time in Bridge of Spies on October 16th. Rock the Casbah features Bill Murray, Bruce Willis, and Kate Hudson on October 23rd. And it looks like Vin Diesel as The Last Witch Hunter will be coming our way on October 23rd. Elijah Wood also stars in that film. And October 30th, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse will be coming our way. And that's it for upcoming new movies in theaters in October. Next on On Screen to Be On, taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming away as far as sequels coming our way in October in theaters. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, we seem to be getting into a drought of some sort here as far as sequels. Uh, There's only one coming our way this month in October. Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension, will be hitting theaters on October 30th. And that's it as far as sequels in theaters in October. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we'll take a peek at what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD in October. TV on DVD coming our way in October. Duck Dynasty Season 8 comes our way October 6th. Also on October 6th, we can look for Grace Under Fire, the complete collection. Happyish Season 1. Little House on the Prairie Season 7 Deluxe Remastered Edition, which we'll be also giving away three copies of that. And you can enter it simply by sending us an email at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com or go to Facebook. And like our announcement of it. And Mission Impossible, the original series, will be coming our way October 6th, along with Penny Dreadful Season 2 and South Park Season 18 and Vikings Season 3. October 13th, you can look for The 100 Season 2, Ascension, the miniseries, Bates Motel Season 3, The Bionic Woman, the complete series, Dexter, the complete series, the following... Season 3 and the Complete Series. Heroes, the Complete Series. Justified, the Complete Series. Mad Men, the Complete Series. And also, the Final Season, Part 2, which we'll be giving two copies of that away. And The Saints, Season 1 and Season 2 will be coming our way, along with Six Million Dollar Man, the Complete Series. That's all on October 13th. October 20th, CPO Sharky will be coming your way. The Curse of Oak Island, Season 2. The Facts of Life, Season 7. And my favorite Martian season, uh, the complete series, rather. And Nurse Jackie, Season 7. October 27th, The Great American Dream Machine will be coming our way. That's one of those political shows, uh, sort of like uh, in the vein of laughing, but before all that. So that's a good one, too. That's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD in October? We've got it next. Movies on DVD coming your way in October, October 2nd. The Avengers, Age of Ultron, October 6th. Look for Magic Mike, XXL. Insidious, Chapter 3. Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, we coming our way. And Sharknado 3. Oh, hell no. <laughs> and let's see. October 13th, you can look for San Andreas to be coming your way and Tomorrowland. October 20th, Jurassic Park will be coming your way along with Paper Towns and Z for Zachariah. And October 27th, Pixels will be coming our way. Southpaw with Jake Gyllenhaal will be coming your way and The Gift. All will be... Heading into DVD in October. That's it. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's Celebrity Birthdays. We baked you a birthday cake. If you get it to me, eh? And you moan and groan and woe. Don't forget we told you so. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! 
Celebrity birthdays coming our way. It looks like on September 28th, Hillary Duff will be turning 29. And Bridget Bardot turns 82. September 29th, Zachary Levi turns 35. And Jerry Lee Lewis turns 80. September 29th, Fran Drescher turns 58. And Barry Williams, Greg Brady, turns 61 years old. October 1st, Julie Andrews turns 80. And Randy Quaid turns 65. October 2nd, it looks like Sting turns 64, Kelly Ripper turns 45, and Don McLean of American Pie, the song, turns 70. October 3rd, Gwen Stefani turns 46, and Chubby Checker turns 74 years old. And that's it for celebrity birthdays. As far as listener birthdays, October 3rd, John P. of Santa Clara, California turns 47. And that's it for listener birthdays. If you, a friend, or a relative are having a birthday and want to celebrate it with all the people here listening to On Screen and Beyond, just send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. We'd be glad to get it on for you and let everybody else wish you a very happy birthday. So go ahead and do that. So that's it for listener birthdays and celebrity birthdays. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we've got a great guest coming your way. It is... Anne Robinson of War of the Worlds, the classic 50s sci-fi movie. I love that film. It is such a classic movie, and around this time was when the War of the Worlds, the uh, original radio broadcast, we're getting close to that. That was on uh, Halloween, and uh, that was uh, before that, uh, before the movie, of course. And it's a good film. Get a lot of information. Anne Robinson coming up next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today's guest on On Screen and Beyond is an actress who appeared in many hit TV shows over the years, including 77 Sunset Strip, Ben Casey, Sugarfoot, Rawhide, and Fury. She is best known for her role in the classic 50s sci-fi film War of the Worlds, and she went on to appear on the 80s TV show War of the Worlds and the 2005 Tom Cruise version of War of the Worlds. On Saturday, October 3rd, she will be at the Ream Theater in Moraga, California for a special showing of War of the Worlds from the 1950s at the Classic 50s Sci-Fi Film Festival, Part 2. It's Ann Robinson. Ann, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Well, that was quite an introduction, Brian. Thank you very much. I feel very welcome. <laughs> well, you know, you've done a lot of things. And, of course, everybody, every actor and actress always seems to be remembered for a certain role or, or a couple of roles. But War of the Worlds is such a classic film. It's, it's no wonder you're remembered for that one. Aren't I lucky? I was the luckiest person in the world to be chosen for that motion picture. There are so many wonderful sci-fi movies. But that one seems to be the number one that everybody wants to see and remember. Mm, yeah. Now, we're going to talk about that, but I'd like to start off with looking at your earlier career, or actually before your career. What made you decide to go into acting? Were you doing things as a little girl that, that, wanted, you know, that made you go in that direction? That's right. <laughs> I, I was always doing plays in my backyard or, or, or pretending something. I was always, always had something to do and uh, always wanted to be an actress. I don't know why. I think my mother encouraged me. Um, it was because I had, an, I had a great imagination and I had a lot of fun. Now, were you born, um, you know, in California, or...? I was born in, in Hollywood, California, at the Hollywood Hospital. I went to Hollywood High School, and my father worked at the Bank of Hollywood on the corner of Hollywood and Vine. Yes, indeed, I was born in Hollywood. So you were right there, and, and I mean, it's no wonder you went into, <laughs> into acting. <laughs> well, I used to spend an awful lot of time on Hollywood Boulevard in the 30s when I was a little girl. It was quite... Uh, um, quite a place for character actors to, to watch people go up and down the street. I saw John Carradine uh, walking up and down the street reciting Shakespeare. There's so many, so many actors and extras that used to work in motion pictures uh, that would be on Hollywood Boulevard. And so my father introduced me to Hollywood when I was very, very young. Hmm. Yeah. And, and were, so you were a big fan of films and movies and things like yes. that? Yes. 
Oh, my, my, my goodness, yes. Oh, no, and I went always collecting things, always collecting movie magazines, collecting pictures. Mm-hmm. And my, my, I guess my whole family was just interested, you know, in everything that had to do with Hollywood, even though they all came from a very small town in Ohio, Kenton, Ohio, that's K-E-N-T-O-N, not, not spelled the other way. Uh, and so they, we always laugh and say Hollywood is a long, long way from Kenton to be out here doing everything I got to do. Hmm. My father was very pleased. Yeah. Now, did you have a favorite actor or actress that you idolized when you were young? I don't remember. I don't think so. Um, I, I, I don't recall anyone in particular. I think as I grew older, I was in love with George Brent. I thought he was pretty handsome. I thought he was pretty exciting. But I don't remember anyone that I particularly admired that I wanted to be like. Mm-hmm. I just loved movies. Yeah. So when was the first step that you went into acting? What, what happened with there? Well, um, I was about 19 years old, and a friend of mine who was a, a, a cowboy in, uh, in Western B-movies, a Johnny Carpenter, um, he was doing a half-hour show. Uh, he, he, would, he would train handicapped people how to ride horses. And there was a group called the Blind Rhythm Riders that he had, that uh, little band that they had. He had trained to ride horses, and he wanted to do a little half-hour movie about uh, these, the, the accomplishments of these, of these young boys. And so we did a, the stagecoaches held up by gangsters and the blind rhythm riders and Johnny Carpenter and I, we run off and save the day. And so um, a friend of mine who had been in motion pictures, um, a, a, a grip, someone who had worked on the studio, saw the film, knew some people, and, uh, you know, said this girl can not only ride a horse like the wind, she's a pretty good actress at only 19 years old and never, ever having any experience. And so one by one, just a person, one person knew another person who knew another person who got me into extra work and into stunt work riding horses for, for other um, actors, actresses. Wow. And I got in motion pictures in sort of in the back door through stunt work. And then um, uh, once you were in one union, you were allowed to join another union. And so that was the purpose of getting into stunt work and, and, uh, and screen, act, screen Extra Guild uh, card. I could get a Screen Actors Guild card. So then I belonged to the Screen Actors Guild, and I started into stunt work. And one day I was on the set of A Place in the Sun with George Stevens and directing um, Elizabeth Taylor and Montgomery Cliff, and we were at a, at a uh, party scene, and he said, does uh, anyone here have, a, have an SAG card? And I raised my hand, and he said, I want you to stand over there by the door, and when Miss Taylor walks in, say, hello, Angela. And so that was my first short little bit part in a movie, and I thought, gee, it's so much. Everybody came over to me and started fixing my hair and redoing my makeup and fussing over me, and I got my own chair. And I said, heck, this is a lot more fun than sitting on a bench with the rest of the extras. So I decided that I wanted to be an actress. And, and I, the, next, the next little movie I did was a, um, Goodbye, My Fancy with Joan Crawford. And then I got, fortunately, I got a contract with the Paramount Studio. Wow. Everything just fell into place, but that's how it, it went so easily in the 50s. And I, it's still a wonderment to me how easily everything fell in place for me. I'm a very, very lucky person. Now it's very difficult for young actors and actresses to, to get, you know, and it's very expensive now to get into the Screen Actors Guild. Mm, yeah. Now, so that's about how it all began was to stunt work. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when when I think of stunt work, I think of these big burly guys who are, who are you know, jumping on horses and falling off and things like that. And and, and you just don't fit the, the what I think of when I think of stunt people. But well, uh, one one stunt I had to do was for June uh, June Aver in the story of Molly X, where I had to escape from the Tehachapi State Prison in California, and I lied my way through that and told them I was an experienced stunt girl. This was long before I was on horseback, and I had to climb a 15-foot barbed wire fence at the Hatchaby State Prison and jump, and, and when I got up on top, I looked down 15 feet, and the director said, well, jump, and I said, so I jumped, and uh, good Lord, that's how, that was my first experience as a stunt girl, wow. and then I thought, well, horseback riding is going to be a lot simpler. <laughs> 
and then they 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 said it was far too easy for me to escape from the, from Tehachapi prison, so they cut it from the picture. Oh, geez! They didn't want other uh, other inmates to follow my example. <laughs> wow! Now, now, did you ever get hurt when you were doing stunts? No, I was lucky. I, I did not get hurt because I didn't. I didn't do too many, uh, you know, uncomfortable, scary stunts like that ever again. Mm-hmm. It was mostly horseback, and then I went into extra work and into acting. Yeah. So and there was one time. No, Stefan, my son is reminding me. Uh, he, we were at a birthday party for Shelley Winters, and uh, my son had told her that a long time ago I had been her stunt woman in. Um, and I've forgotten. I've, Frenchie was the name of the movie. Frenchie, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Joel McRae and and Shelley Winters, and I was her stunt woman in a stagecoach when it had to be turned over. And she said, "Gee, your mother sure made me look good." <laughs> <laughs> and she signed a great big picture for us. Wow. Have you ever thought of writing a book about all these things? Now, over and over and over again. So maybe through all these interviews, if they're all recorded, I'll have to borrow them back again so I can remember what I said for the book. Right. Wow. Because I'm sure you have some amazing stories. It's it's just incredible. Well, yes, I do little things here and there that pop into my mind every once in a while. And, and someone said I should carry a, uh, a tape recorder with me because it, something just... Something stirs your memory, and something you haven't thought about in in years and years pops into your mind, and it's fun and it's interesting because a lot of these people are are gone now. Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm the last of the Mohicans, I guess. <laughs> I'm still. My my son refers to me as the big finish in, in science fiction. <laughs> Jeez. Now, I, and there's no, there's not many of us left. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I was looking uh, at your credits, and I noticed that uh, in your early years, in fact, you were uncredited, I guess, on some of these, uh, but you were in, in uh, Evan Costello in the, front, in the Foreign Legion? Yes, I was an extra. I was a mirage, <laughs> sitting, <laughs> having, sipping a, a soda on a carousel, I believe. I'm not quite re- Yes, in a bathing suit. Hmm. And that was my, one of my extra days. Wow. Yeah, it must have been fun working on some of those uh, those it was movies. Wonderful, because you're working out at Universal, where you knew everybody that worked out there when you were a little girl growing up. Donald McConnor, and uh, I was in um, oh, some wonderful. Uh, I was an extra in a movie with um, uh, Tony Curtis and and uh, Piper Laurie, where I was a harem girl, and uh, I that was so much fun being in that in, in costume. Oh no, I got to see, being an extra, you got to work with all these different stars, Yvonne De Carlo. I was in some movie with her. Oh, it was it was it was a delight. It was just so much fun. Now you're in Hollywood doing all the things you wanted to do when you were when you were growing up. Right, jeez. Huh. Now, then came along the War of the Worlds. Of course, were were you a fan of the the broadcast, the radio broadcast? Uh, I missed it. Mm-hmm. I missed I missed the broadcast. Uh, and I, it was in nineteen um, uh, thirty eight. I was about probably eight or nine years old, and I used to love the opening music to uh, to that program. And uh, my mother and father would let me stay up long enough, you see, just to hear the music. And then they switched over to Charlie McCarthy. Mm-hmm. And so I could have heard it, and I missed it. Yeah. But uh, uh, I, and what a shame. Yeah. What a, what a shame. That's the only thing that I, I, haven't, I haven't done or, or known or, or been associated with yeah. was that, um, that radio broadcast. Wow. But you've been to the monument. But, but oh, that's right. My son's reminding me. We have been over to the uh, to the monument at Grover's Mill. Oh, I made a special, special, special uh, uh, trip to, uh, on 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 um, the day after the day after Halloween. Yes. Because the broadcast yeah. was Halloween Eve, mm-hmm. and I went over a few years ago to uh, Grover's Mill on Halloween Day because I wanted to see the monument. They have a huge monument dedicated to um, Orson Welles, a very large one. They're very proud of it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, how did you get involved with the War of the Worlds? I, I was under contract to Paramount Studio, and I was one of the Golden Circle. These were, girl, these were boys and girls who were, were thought of as the stars of tomorrow. Barbara Rush was one of them, and she became, of course, a very prominent star. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just read, read for the part, and they weren't particularly interested in me because at the time I had very, very short, bright red 
poodle cut hair and I was dressed in a very sophisticated manner. I didn't look like a hometown young girl. I looked like a, perhaps a New York model. Mm-hmm. And um, But I had, before that, the Charlotte Clary, who was in charge of all the talent at uh, the studio, had me do a breath exercise where I would speak in two voices simultaneously. One girl that was very frightened and youthful and young and, and uh, naive and her inner... Her, her dual personality inside was telling her to, to do evil things and to kill her boyfriend. So I had to learn how to take a breath in between voices so when I changed voices, I wouldn't take a breath. And so I could go from one voice to the other immediately without any detection. Wow. And so uh, I had to do that. They listened to a recording, George Pell and Jean Barry, and I believe uh, the director was there, Byron Haskin, they had to listen. They listened to the recording, and they thought, "Well, this could have been recorded um, separately, and then uh, edited together, as you're doing." Right. <laughs> so, um, I uh, uh, they listened to it, and they said, "No, no, it, she can." So I had to go into this room we referred to as the fishbowl, uh, a very cold, austere room that people had to perform in. It's a big glass window separating you and the audience, and I. I took the script and went in there and did it in person for them. And so Mr. Powell, I guess there was a scream involved. So Mr. Powell said, no, you don't look the part. Uh, We like you very, very much. We don't look the part, so we're going to make you look the part. So we went through a lot of hair wardrobe and hair uh, wardrobe changes and hair changes. And finally, when they decided how I looked, uh, if I was, if I did look the way they wanted me to, it was so lovely because it was Mrs. Powell, George's wife, who made the final decision and said she's the girl for you. Hmm. So it was Mrs. Powell, and I'll be ever grateful to that lovely woman for choosing me to do War of the Worlds. Wow! Now, War of the Worlds uh, back then was that being made as a a big feature, or is that like? A, a B science fiction movie, you know. Originally. No, no, no. It was a huge, very expensive. It big was feature. Okay. It, it, I mean, it was. In, you know, Demille was in charge of it. Demille, uh, he owned it. And uh, when Paramount didn't want to do it, uh, Demille went to the uh, the heads of Paramount and said, "This, I want my movie done, and I want George Powell to do it. You're foolish if you don't do it." I mean, that movie today is still making money for oh, Paramount. I'm sure. <laughs> and so. Uh, they um, they it had a ex- very a large budget, a huge budget, and um, it's in Technicolor and stereophonic sound, and so they went all out for it, and and also because of the recommendation of Cecil B. DeMille, and he and George Powell were very close friends, and he was on they were on the set together very often, hmm. quite often together. Yeah. Now, nowadays, a lot of things are green screens and blue screens and, and CGI and all that stuff. But back then, none of that was available. So uh, everything we see on screen was actually done, right? It was done afterwards, yes. But there was one blue screen. is when we are escaping from the Martians and when they're blowing up after we uh, or after I was frying eggs in the farmhouse and mm-hmm. we had a lovely little scene together and then the meteor meteor uh, crashes into the farmhouse and we have to escape as quickly as possible um, after the monster puts his hand on my shoulder yep. but we get out <laughs> through the top and we run across and meanwhile more and more and more meteors and um, and war machines are coming down and they're demolishing the house and blowing it up. And you can see us running away as the, everything is being blown up behind us. And that's a blue screen. Uh, okay. Uh, that's the only thing. We, we, there's nothing behind us as we're running away. Yeah. That's the only blue screen they used. Wow. Outside of that, everything else is done by, by masters and geniuses. It's all done by hand. I know. As I always tell everyone, there's not a computer in sight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean... Now we see all this fancy stuff, and and it's like, yeah, okay, they do it on computer. But back then, to see mm-hmm. what they did, it's just so amazing that they could do hand. what they did. All by hand, all geniuses, absolutely. Yeah. And the only thing which is so is so everybody loves it because they're very nostalgic about it. When you first see the war machine being lifted off the ground, you can see it being lifted up by the wires. 
Ah, okay. I never and, noticed and, that. And they still do not want to edit that out of of any of the um, uh, uh, of the DVDs because people rather cherish the fact that it it's something very lovable about the film that it did have to. It now you do have to see how they did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, but... and another thing they had is when it was being lifted up by I think there's 14 wires. I'm not quite certain. I think 14 wires, and half of them are um, electronic wires, uh, you know, to uh, make it move, and the other half, you know, is just to lift it. But as it's being lifted off the ground, they had wired the the um, floor of the um, of the soundstage, stage 18 at Paramount, with a million volts of electricity. And when that that when that war machine is being lifted off the ground, you can see three of these curly cue piece, you know, of, of electric columns coming down to the floor, lifting the war machine off the ground. Well, when Paramount found out that he could electrocute the entire crew and, and, and actors uh, with all this electricity, they, they stopped that immediately. Wow. But meanwhile, <laughs> you still have that in your mind. So when you see them lift off the ground in, in other scenes, uh, the, the dirt is disturbed. So your eyes and your brain still see the electricity, the curly cues, you know, mm-hmm. the, of the elect- electric um, current that's been lifting the, the war machines off the ground. Hmm. I'm going to have to watch it again now. <laughs> yes, you will. Yeah. Oh, no, there's lots of things to watch, you know. That's why it's so much fun when I'm going to go up to this lovely theater in Moraga because um, I get to speak before the film so I can tell people what to look for. I mean, this it's just the opening scene of this movie. It's, it's a paramount newsreel. You don't realize a movie is going to begin. Mm-hmm. It starts out like a, a paramount newsreel began years and years ago because everyone had their own newsreel, like MGM had their own. Um, RKO had their own logo mm-hmm. on, on how their newsreels began, and we had our own logo, Paramount. And So when this starts out, it starts out as a newsreel, and then it goes on about World War One and World War Two and all the what's going what had been going on had gone on in history and then when the rocket goes up that rocket that goes up is the german rocket that uh, had been invented you know from germany that mm-hmm. was bombing england yeah so it all starts out like a newsreel and then suddenly war of the worlds flashes on the screen in technicolor and then our credits <laughs> but up until that time it looks like a newsreel yeah yeah, it's... and the same man. I don't know if it's, if it's Paul Fries. I believe it's Paul Fries's voice mm-hmm. who um, is narrating the the opening of the newsreel. Yeah, gives yeah. you the impression that you're not seeing the movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Such a classic movie, though. I oh mean... gosh, yes. It just goes on and on. We just finished uh, uh, two weekends ago. They had a lovely science fiction weekend over at the Egyptian Theater here on Hollywood Boulevard. And people are still coming to see the movie. It was a beautiful print. And it just was just like it was years ago in Technicolor. It was a beautiful print. Not a blip, not a blurb, not a, uh, not a mistake. Mm-hmm. And it didn't look like it had ever been run through a projector. It was just looked brand new, and it was beautiful. Yeah. And people just sit there on a big screen and, and just look at it, with, and they still love it. Mm-hmm. And they still just talk about it with such affection. And they still like Sylvia. Everybody gets the kick out of Sylvia. And my son, he said, you know, a woman, sometimes a woman isn't necessary in these, uh, in these movies, in the sci-fi movie. And he said, Mother, you did a good job. You didn't, you didn't ruin the movie. Because <laughs> he said women have a, a way of being, you know, in the girls have a way of being in the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, so he said, oh, well, thank goodness I didn't ruin the movie because people are still coming to look at it. Yeah. And this is the way to see it on the big screen. It's wonderful. It's, and you know, one time, I went up to Stockton, California, and we saw it on the ceiling of a planetarium. Wow. Now, that is an experience. You ought to see it that way, because now the, the war machines are directly on top of you. Right, yeah. Oh, everything. Oh, it's really exciting. It's, it's a whole different concept. Hmm. We'd love to see it that way. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. But, and, and you're going to be at the, the Ream Theater in Moraga, and, and that's a classic theater itself so oh, it, really, it, it I'm dying fits to in. see about I don't know the theater I'm looking 
forward to seeing it. It's a beautiful. They have murals all over the walls, and oh, wow. and uh, you know, it's, it's, back. A, it's an old. So therefore, it's, it's an. It has history to the theater. Oh yes, definitely yes, yeah, and and oh, there's also I love that part of California. It's yeah. beautiful up there. There's also a museum in there where they have uh, artifacts from from movies and things like that, uh, memorabilia uh, in, oh, in well, the I theater lobby. Oh, I have time to see it then. Oh, so, it's wonderful. Yeah. Yes, we're leaving on the second because I'm uh, my son and I are going up by train. I don't care to fly mm-hmm. unless it's an absolute emergency. I just don't want to have the anxiety of getting ready to fly, you know, trying to get on the plane, in the plane, the plane takes off, and the plane, <laughs> I just don't want to have anything to do with the plane if I don't have to. So we're taking a lovely leisure, uh, going to see the whole coast of California all the way up to um, to to Oakland. That'll so be it'll nice. it'll be a lovely trip on yeah. Friday. So then I'll have uh, most of the day, I suppose, on Saturday to see the museum. I'm assuming the um, the theaters, the the movie is going to be shown at night. Mm-hmm. I yep. think that several other movies are being shown also. Yes, yeah, there'll be a whole whole bunch of uh, old, older fifty sci-fi movies that are going to be playing with it. So it's and uh, how nice that I'm invited for the the principal one. That's very flattering, and I am very very pleased. Yeah, it'll it, it, it's lovely of them to ask me. It'll be a great turnout, I'm sure. I'm hoping so. Oh, I'm sure it is too, because it's not far from San Francisco. Right. Or Oakland, so they'll. I'm sure people will. Will they pop up here every once in a while when I'm at the Egyptian, and that holds a pretty good crowd of people, mm-hmm. and they're always near filled. Yeah. Now, except you know, we had the 50th anniversary there in in 2003, and it was filled to overflowing, uh, and they had to turn people away. It, it was quite a, quite a lovely 50th anniversary. It's hard to believe. I know. That, huh? um, uh, we're over 60 years, yeah. and that, it's still going strong. People still love it, and new generations are finding it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just amazing. It, it, you know, I mean, that's been a movie that everybody, you know, you have to see it. There's, there's just, you know, if there's a, any movie that you want to see as far as a sci-fi movie, you got to see that one. It, it's just a movie that uh, is, oh, it is so well it done. Is entirely. You, you, have to, you have to see that. It's wonderful. George Pell was just such a master. He and, well, with, with, with um, uh, uh, the, the help of, uh, uh, of the other, but now I've lost his name. That's terrible. <laughs> with Byron, oh, no, that's something very interesting that a lot of people don't know about. Byron Haskin was chosen as the director because, of course, he was very familiar in, in, in science fiction, uh, but he was a he was a, in science fiction directing and camera work. But in, during World War II, he was a cameraman for World War II. He knew how to uh, film a war, and that's what George Powell's movie is all about. Right. It is a war. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Byron Haskin was a very experienced uh, photographer and cameraman in World War II. It huh. was, a, he was a, a very very interesting man. Yeah, Did- I visited him a couple of times when he lived up in Santa Barbara. Very, very interesting man, and um, I was very pleased to to have had work with him. Yeah, did you and of know? Of course, Les Tremaine. I grew up listening to his voice on on radio as as Mr. First Nighter. So to see to be able to meet Les Tremaine was a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I'd listened to his voice all through the '30s. He was on Jack Armstrong and Little Orphan Annie and and Helen H- and all these all these movies that uh, and, and radio shows that I grew up listening to. Right. <laughs> and his voice was there. His voice was as well known as as Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Wow. They were the two most most known voices in America at the time. Yeah. Did you know Gene Barry before the film? No, I did not. He was a New York actor. He came from the New York stage. He was a song and dance man, I think discovered by um, Mae West, I believe, uh, along with a lot of other good-looking men. And, uh, you know, he was um, a, a New York actor, and, and he and his wife uh, got in a car and, and uh, sold everything they had and came out to California. And they were, uh, as, as Gene said, I said, why did you go to Paramount? You had several interviews with all these other other um, studios, and he said because they offered me seven hundred and fifty dollars a week. <laughs> and he said they offered me the most money. I was getting one hundred and twenty-five dollars a week. Wow! That was my yeah. salary as a contract player, and he got a seven hundred and fifty dollar a week contract. Wow! So I'm sure later on, uh, I think my salary went up a little bit later on when I went over to Warner Brothers and did Dragnet with Jack Webb. Mm, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I think by that time my, my I was getting a little more than $125 a week. But Gene, that's why Gene Barry, he was a lovely man, absolutely adorable. 
he was a gentleman. He was experienced, and and um, it was fun to listen to his adventures on the stage and how he loved to sing and dance. Hmm. Yeah. Now, you mentioned uh, uh, Dragnet with Jack Webb. Uh, how was that experience for you? Well, I mean, after you knowing Jack Webb uh, from television, this was his first uh, uh, his first movie, his first featured movie, and um, I I went over on an interview, and um, he had apologized. He said, um, "Well, uh, he was sorry that the part had already been taken. He'd already given the part to another young woman, but he said because I went to so much trouble and it meant to the effort to come over, that he would like me to read for him in case there was something else in the future." And so I thought, well, I have nothing to lose. So I simply mimicked uh, him uh, as, as closely as I could from his television shows. And after I finished uh, with my reading, he asked if I'd be excused just a moment and wait in the other room. And then a few minutes later, he came in and he said, wanted to thank me very much for my interview. And he said, uh, even though we have chosen someone else, we much prefer you. And... Um, so they paid the other girl her salary, and uh, I ended up with the part. Wow. <laughs> so it was just another just a piece of luck. Yeah. It was the right place at the right time and did the right thing at the right time. Yeah. You must have been thrilled. <laughs> and it was in color. Yeah. And that, that was another big deal. My, my hair was still red, and I was, it was in color. It's just like um, um, that other movie. Stefan, help me out. Imitation. Pardon me? Imitation of life. Imitation oh, Imitation of Life, that that with Ross Hunter. I was chosen, if you remember that, with um, uh, Lana Turner and, um, I'm, uh, well, what's the, Susan Conner, Susan Conner Lana Juanita Turner, Moore, Juanita, Moore, Juanita Moore, my son's in the background helping me here with all the names. <laughs> Ed Gidget. Ed <laughs> Sandra D. Ah, yes. Um, uh, I was chosen because it... If you remember the movie um, *Imitation of Life*, where it's, it's uh, Susan Conner is trying is passing for white, and her mother is Juanita Moore, and she works for Lana Turner. So in that movie, on Lana Turner's side of the family, Sandra D and Lana Turner are very blonde, and on the other side of the family, being being women of color, uh, uh, um, Juanita Moore. And her daughter, uh, Susan Conner, who's passing, trying to pass for white, uh, they are the darker side of the, of, the, of the equation. And so in the middle of the movie, when, when her mother finally catches up to her, and she says, please, don't, um, if you ever see me on the street, don't say hello. And just then, I walk into the room, and I am very tall, very white, with very bright red hair. And this is the turning point of, turning point of the movie that shows exactly how people feel or should not feel. Because when, when Juanita Moore kisses Susan Conner and leaves the room, I say, well, honey child, I didn't know y'all had a mammy. And, of course, you couldn't dare say that now. Right. But at the time, the racist comment of that motion picture from then on, everybody hated that girl. And every time I go see Imitation of Life, people are telling me, it, it wasn't, we hate, we've hated you all our life. We've hated you. We can't stand you. We had no idea that you were the same person who did that movie. <laughs> so I don't know if you remember, if you've seen that or not, and you remember the particular part, but that's why I was hired for that, because of the red hair. Hmm. And so Dragnet, I was hired because of the red hair. Wow. And then when War of the Worlds, they didn't like my red hair, so they put a wig on me. Oh, so go figure. Yeah. Now, what... I'm sure Steven Spielberg, when he made War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise in 2005, that he must have gone out to to look for you because he wanted yep. to have you on the uh, on the. Yes, he did. Film. I had re I had no idea. I didn't realize until I met Steven Spielberg how much he loved Sylvia. He was. It must have been a little boy or a very young man, and uh, he always, all his life, liked Sylvia. That was his. Heroine. He loved her. wasn't his favorite actress, but it was his favorite girl. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he definitely was looking for me to do a cameo. And it was so funny because a, a boy next, a, a neighbor next door, was up for a part for his uh, for the young man to play his son in War of the Worlds. And um, 
he overheard the casting people looking, you know, mentioned my name, and they were looking for me. And he said, well, I live right next door to Ann Robinson. He said, you're kidding. <laughs> give her this note. Give her this number. We, we're looking all over for her. We need her right away. So that is another wonderful, lucky, you know, coincidence hmm. that uh, that's how I, I, I got to be, and that's how they found me. And, and I laughed, and I said, um, uh, well, I'm, you know, I'm with the Screen Actors Guild. All you had to do was call them up and, and, and find me. And he said, yes, we tried, but you, Miss Robinson, do you have any idea what your telephone number is at the Screen Actors Guild? And I said, no. And they said, it's Madison, 85964. <laughs> No one has used a number like that for the right. last 40 or 50 years. <laughs> right. And I said, well, I better get myself a little more up to date. Wow. But that's how Steven Spielberg, and I had the best time on that show because he loved, he loved, loved, loved the original movie. He adored War of the Worlds. He, that was his favorite movie as a kid, mm-hmm. as a young man. Yeah. And he always wanted to do it, but he didn't want to touch it. So people are always constantly comparing it, and it's not fair. Mm. There is no comparison between the two movies. Yeah. It may be the same idea, the same theme, but it's not the same movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the something came from somewhere to annihilate us, and you'll find that in all gangster movies. You'll find that in, in a lot of movies. that they, they make things that are very similar. Right. But um, I, I, liked, I liked his idea. I liked the way he, I liked very much the way he did his movie. And I thought it's the best thing that Tom Cruise has ever done. It was so unlike a Tom Cruise movie. He was wonderful in that movie. Mm. Yeah. And, and I, I just thought it was, I liked it very much. People are always making a comparison, and I don't think it's fair. Yeah, you can't do that. No. no. Well, Anna, I was lucky. Yeah. I was very lucky to be in that, too, and have a nice cameo and be reunited with Gene Barry again. Yeah. Jeez. Now, Anne, I'd like to finish up with two final questions. Yes, my dear. Taking us away from your acting and everything else, when you sit back and relax now, what's your favorite TV shows and what's your favorite movies now? And what's your favorite movies and TV shows in the past? Well, my favorite movie in the past is a, a wonderful movie. I love the I, I love the Uninvited mm-hmm. and uh, this. this <laughs> wait a minute, these <laughs> Stefan, the story. What's our favorite movie? Portrait. Uh, Portrait of Jenny. I was thinking I, I had another one in mind. I was confusing it. The Portrait of Jenny is a movie. Mm-hmm. that If I only had one movie to watch for the rest of my life, it would be The Portrait of Jenny. I simply adore that movie. And um, I, 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 and the, the Uninvited is my favorite spooky movie. And up to date, um, I don't know of anything up to date that I'm particularly interested in. Um, I haven't seen that many yeah. movies, quite frankly, uh, lately. Uh, we, we, I just haven't been out looking, going to movies, uh, which, which is a shame. You like Depp. But I, yeah. I love I, the new the new movie that Johnny Depp is in. Black Mass. He's one of my favorite actors, and um, Robert Downey Jr. is an absolute favorite actor of mine, and uh, Dustin Hoffman and. Uh, and and uh, what is it, Lithgow? I I I adore these. I, and I don't. Well, Meryl Streep, of course, without saying, she's a chameleon. Yeah. I just don't understand the talent that that woman has, and it's still she still has more to give. She's absolutely a gem. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. but the recent movies, and no, I'm. I said the old-fashioned movies. Uh, I've got a whole. I like anything that has to do with time travel. That's another favorite of mine. Wow. Yeah. Huh. I love time travel. So, in somewhere in time and time after time, those are all of those are wonderful movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I Stefan's reminding me of courtroom dramas. I love anything that has to do with courtroom. Of course, now I'm going through a lot of court problems myself, and I'm not happy with my own courtroom dramas. But I do love them on film. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you enjoyed? Did you enjoy uh, Perry Mason? Oh, he was wonderful. I loved it. Oh, yes. I, I, that's right. Thank you for reminding me. I got to be, well, like Perry Mason, I remember him on radio as a kid. Right. <laughs> oh, no, I loved meeting uh, Raymond Burr. He was, oh, all that cast. It was, oh, I loved it very much and uh, had a lot of fun doing it. Oh, no, I was very lucky to do a lot of wonderful television shows that um, I got to meet a lot of stars and people that I'd, I'd admired through the years. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, Anne, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, and I want to remind everybody that they should go to uh, on Saturday, October 3rd, 
at the Ream Theater in Moraga, California, for the special showing of War of the Worlds and a whole bunch of other sci-fi films. And uh, I thank you so much for taking the time and sharing with us. Oh, Brian, it's a pleasure to be you know on screen and beyond with you. I mean, this is my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me as a guest on your lovely radio show. It's, it's my pleasure, and it's really a privilege. Thank you for, for inviting me. A big thank you going out to Ann Robinson for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. And uh, loved her in that movie. Great film. If you haven't had a chance to see that, be sure to check it out. Um, like she was saying, you cannot compare the remake that Spielberg did with the original. The original just is, it's just the original. That's all I can say. It's a great film. Be sure to check it out. If you are in Moraga, California, or in the San Francisco Bay Area on October 3rd, be sure to go to the Ream Theater in Moraga, California, and you can see it on the screen, and Anne will be there. So you can check her out and hear her stories and everything. It's going to be a great night, and they've got all these sci-fi movies from the 50s and 60s that will be playing all day long there. So be sure to check it out. And while you're there, check out the museum. They've got a lot of great stuff there. I just love going there. It's, it's, it's so much to see, and it's always changing. There's always something new in there. So be sure to check that out in Moraga, California, right in the San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, it's uh, just uh, you know just a fascinating theater because it's, got, it's one of those classic old theaters. Love it there. All right, that is it. A lot of busy things going on here. I'm sure you are too, but don't forget to enter our contest if you'd like to win one of three copies of Little House on the Prairie Season 7 Deluxe Remastered Edition. Just go ahead and enter that. That one is going to be ending. Uh, all entries must be in by October 6th. If you would like to get uh, one of two copies of the Mad Men Final Season Part 2, just do the same thing. Email us at feedback at onscreentobeyond.com or go to Facebook and like it on our Facebook page. You will be entered. Then uh, that one, I believe, is the uh, October 13th deadline on that. And uh, you can go to our website and you can check that out. we got all the information right there. But you can also like it on Facebook. We've got the information there. And um, you can get yourself a chance to win a nice copy of that. And a lot of people have been winning lately, and we appreciate your emails. People are sending me emails back saying they got it and they love it. And it's uh, really nice to hear that. So uh, if you want to get in on the winning, just keep listening to On Screen to Be On and go to onscreentobeyond.com and enter. And uh, it's a simple way to win. That's it. That's, that's all you got to do. So that's it. That's a wrap for this week. And until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. Mm-hmm.